Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My name is Mark Machado. I'm an old Priorian. I left a long time ago and I've been tasked with talking to other old Priorians who have uh, also left, like me, but gone on to, to, be, to find a lot of success in their careers. Um, today I'm grateful to be joined by katie wilmot katie thanks for thanks for joining me hi you're an architect can you tell us a little bit more about what what you do and how you got into it yeah sure so um i i qualified about 10 years ago in fact i think it's probably 10 years to the day april 2010 and um i first became aware of architecture i suppose as a career because my grandfather was an architect and i grew up with him quite close to him and he had built his own house in the 60s this beautiful house with this very at the time ahead of its time huge open plan living areas with this beautiful spiral staircase very modern and I just had never seen anything like that even though as a child I wouldn't really have known any different as an adult looking back I can see how influential that was on my kind of decision I've always been a really big problem solver, like I love solving problems. And that's probably one of the biggest characteristics of being a good architect, solving problems, being really organized and also being quite creative. So I'm not particularly academic. I sort of tend to describe myself as being a bit of a master of being a jack of all trades. And um, and I think that's really critical as architecture is kind of about being an all rounder. You know, you have to be a little bit good at maths, a little bit good at art, a little bit good at science and economics and whatever but it is a real kind of um all-rounder job uh, and then in terms of um what I do now I I split my time I run my own practice which I set up about a year ago in 2019 um and I have a mixture of educational projects and residential projects that I work on and then um, the rest of my time I teach. So I teach architecture and interior design at the University of Portsmouth. I'm a senior lecturer there. And I teach professional practice and design skills um, there and also at the Interactive Design Institute, which is an online university, which has a much broader demographic, much more global because people can register from all over the world. Uh, so, yes, yeah, really, I, I think that sort of career development has happened in the last five years where I've tried to find a way to have lots of fingers and lots of pies and to be more diverse about how I approach my work and my career. It's less nine to five and more about doing what makes you happy more of the time. Wow. It sounds like you've got a lot, a lot going on there. What, what is the kind of, you know, what qualifications and what's the route to get those qualifications if you wanted to get a career in architecture? 
Sure. Um, well, architecture is one of the longest routes to qualification. It's a minimum seven-year qualification path. Um, you do an undergraduate degree, like most other people, uh, and then that's called a part one qualification. Then you do a year out professional practice, which is a paid placement year, I suppose, with a practice. And then you come back and you do a two-year postgraduate diploma or a master's course, um, which is your part two. And then you do another year out in practice, which culminates in a part three examination. So there's three parts to it. Um, so at the end of it, you will have done five years full-time in university and two years professional practice, which is all paid. Um, the two years are paid. Um, that's the minimum. In the average in the UK, it takes just over 10 years for somebody to qualify. And that's often through a combination of things. One is that they might not have quite the breadth of experience they need to sit the part three examination. Other times people, especially in recent years, financially choose to take additional years out in order to beef up their savings so that they can go back to university and be a bit more comfortable. Um, so there's various different reasons. But yeah, minimum seven years, but on average, 10 years in the UK at the moment. And in terms of what you study, at, you know, before you go to university, it's really broad now. It used to be in, when I went was sort of art, maths and physics were the given three. And I think, you know, if you if you did them, you'd still be able to secure a place. But the subject of architecture has become so broad, you know, everything from sort of land economy and um, estate management all the way through to um, sustainable design and eco-friendly um, uh, solutions and innovations means that you could kind of study anything from sort of modern foreign languages and economics, geography, biology, you know, really anything could be relevant. I'd say most uni universities still look for art because it shows that creative flair. But, um, you know, they're not all they don't all require that. And some of them tend to look at the portfolios of the students to understand the students a bit more than just simply at the subjects that they've studied. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that you don't have to have art because, you know, it's I would love to, to become an architect. It's, it's very unlikely to happen, but I have absolutely no artistic ability whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fine artist at all. Like when I went to university, my portfolio was full of, I really enjoyed doing three-dimensional design, space planning, that sort of thing. Um, I didn't do a fine art A-level. I cannot paint. Other than painting a wall, I really can't paint um, sort of figuratively. But I did really enjoy life drawing. So I used to do life drawing sort of with pencil and charcoal outside of school. And that's how I beefed up my portfolio to be more kind of fine art based. Um, I just found um, life drawing to be a bit more fluid than trying to paint a landscape or a person. You know, it just didn't come naturally to me. But I really enjoy sketching. So that was the kind of key to my portfolio. Brilliant. Uh, so at, at, when you were at, in sixth form, did you do uh, art, maths and physics, as you said there, or did you do other subjects? I did art, maths, physics and drama. Um, so, so for my GCSEs, I, after my GCSEs, I, I really loved maths, which I know is a bit of a, you know, <laughs> is that a bit dorky thing to say? But no, I, no, really I, love, I really love maths. maths. As well. like, yeah, and I, I and at GCSE, I really loved physics as well. I didn't particularly like art. I didn't do art for GCSE. I did design technology, but I knew I, at that time I had to do it to get into the universities. So I decided to do art, but I went down the route of doing three dimensional design rather than fine art. And then in terms of drama, I just loved doing drama and I ended up doing drama AS and specialising in set design. So again, I did the kind of design side of it rather than the performing side. Um, and so I did that for AS and then dropped that and then did math, physics and art as full A-levels. 
And you talked about when you go to university, you have to do kind of three parts of it. Is that all at the same at the same university, or do you do kind of an undergrad? No, you can move around. So that the 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 route to qualification is prescribed by the Architects Registration Board, which is a board that exists as a result of the Architects Act, um, and they essentially validate all courses in architecture. So if you go to study architecture, you must make sure that the course has been validated by the ARB. Because um, if it hasn't, then you can't get your qualification. So you, as long as you go to universities that pres- are um, using the ARB prescription, you can get to the qualification. But you can do your part one, two, and three in different universities. So I did my part one and two in Glasgow, and then did my part three at Kingston. Oh, okay. Was uh, was that by design because you just wanted to get back home, or was is Kingston like a premier place to do it? Um, I was in oh, at that time. I was working in Reading. Yeah, I commuted to Kingston from Reading. Wow, that's quite a commute, isn't it? I was just thinking about it. Well, like, with the part three, is a, um, you, I would go in once a month for half a day. So I was just going in once a month. I wasn't doing a daily commute. I was working in Reading at that time. So once you've finished your your third part of it, then then where do you go after that? What's the kind of next step in the career ladder? So, um, well, when I did my part one year out, I started working for a practice in Reading. Um, and I was commuting from Ealing to Reading, um, which actually sounds horrific, but with the train, it's not too bad. Um, and uh, they ended up sponsoring me for my part two qualification. So they paid my tuition fees for my part two. And then I, part of the contract was to go back and work for them for a couple of years. And during that time, I got my part three qualification whilst I was working there. So I continued to work for them for a few years. And once I qualified, I mean, you're then sort of free to do whatever you want to do. Um, so I ended up, well, I actually took a voluntary redundancy and moved back to London, got a job in Richmond and then have kind of worked consistently until then, since then. So what, what are your future career aspirations? Well, I set up my own practice um, a year ago and we're just still seeing how that grows. So um, it's been a rocky kind of year, I suppose, getting used to working by myself, finding new ways of working. Um I share a co-work space just down the road in Brentford and I've been there about six months now. Obviously it's closed at the moment, but <laughs> hopefully it'll be back up and running soon. So I go down there and I work probably three days a week and then I teach the other two days in Portsmouth. My favourite building possibly in the whole world. I'm really lucky. It's very close to to, to where we all are. It's, it's the Hoover building in Perivale. Oh, love that building. Yeah. Have you A, got a, a, a favourite building? And B, have you got kind of architects that, you know, whose careers you kind of aspire to as well? Oh, that's a really good question. I think the favourite building question comes up quite a lot. I think I the Hoover building is incredible and also the history of it and the more recent history of it as well. You know, like it wasn't listed until shortly before Tesco's took it over. You know, they, they the developer knocked down part of the buildings that are no longer there, unfortunately. Oh, and there was a kind of emergency shame. listing put onto it. Um, and, you know, I love that building. It's, and it also reminds me of home because, you know, like if you ever drive out of London and then yeah. you come back home again and then yeah, it's just that first building you see that you go, yeah, nearly home. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, the Hoover building's great. Um, what other buildings? I suppose I have buildings in different categories that I really admire. So I remember going to New York on a, on a study trip when I was in my second year of uni and seeing – this beautiful I've never designed a skyscraper but this beautiful skyscraper that looked almost flawless you know two materials and I couldn't name it for you it was on the edge of Bryant Park but it was 
beautiful and it really stuck with me over time like this sort of simplicity to it um and yeah I don't know what I mean I think I have I have favorite spaces as well and I, I often relate spaces and architecture to nostalgia you know so when I yeah. walked around I don't know if you've been to Pittsanger Manor since it's been refurbished I haven't but it's sadly not yet really anyway. great and I, I loved that building growing up and to go back into those spaces and see them being renovated with such love and care and being used in such a proactive way, for me, felt really special. So that would be another building. I think the, the building that's moved me the most has been Daniel Liebskin's Jewish Museum in Berlin. I remember going in there, not really knowing. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't study history at school and I wasn't particularly into that side of of things, but going to that building and reading about the history of this community and then ex- kind of experiencing a very small fraction of what they experienced through the way the building was designed. I mean, I, I would, anyone who goes to that building and doesn't cry at some point, I think must be completely heartless because the, the way the building makes you feel is unbelievable. Um, and I've never been moved so much by a building than I, than I was in that building. Wow. I, I need to check that building out. Yeah, it's it's an extension by Daniel Liebskin. I, I think it was completed in around the millennium, um, and the the original building is a very old, sort of Renaissancey sort of building. But the new building is really striking. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, on on the flip side of of that question, do you often see buildings and go, oh, "I could have done a better job than that"? Yeah, all the time, all the time. And I think that's that's the fault of. A lot of people think architects are involved in every single project and that's not true. So, and and that's also, there's a scale of how good an architect you are as well. Like being an architect is not just about creating beautiful buildings. It's making sure that buildings are built on budget and on time and to meet the demands programmatically of whoever's going to use them and that they make people feel happy and comfortable and whatever that might be, whether it's where they live or where they work. Um, So sometimes when you see a really horrific building it it's horrific for a particular reason whether that's because there was no architect involved or the architect involved was the wrong architect or the client made demands that therefore meant the architect was kind of at their mercy you know i i think a lot of people think architects are the the creative being and actually the reality is we are a kind of civil servant to the person paying our wages um and so there has to be a balance of if you want to be super creative, you've got to find a way to justify your creativity to the most demanding of clients. Um, and that is a real uh, kind of journey in diplomacy. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I kind of understand what you mean, because obviously, in, in, you know, when you're producing stuff and, and creating content for people, you have the same kind of issues as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also when you're, when you're um, sometimes you see buildings and I think I can see instantly whether it's the, the design that set it down, whether it's the planning system that set it down, whether it's the budget or the kind of procurement. So whether it's the contractor designing things or whether it's the architect or client, you know, all those things, I think the more experienced you become, the more quickly you recognize when something's been changed because of some other reason. Um, and that's not to say an architect isn't involved in that process. It's just that you are kind of, yeah, you're, you're at the mercy of, the, of other people involved. If you could turn back time and go back and have a chat with your 18-year-old self, what advice would you would you give yourself about you, about the career that you wouldn't get into? Oh, wow. I think I probably would have tried to enjoy my time at university a bit more. So I, I although I'm quite creative, I'm, I really like structure and rules. 
and that's something that's really good if you if you want to become an architect but equally you need to be kind of a bit more open about how you can be creative and the older I get the easier I find that the more I don't really care about what other people are drawing or designing or how they're thinking as long as what I'm doing is right for the project that I'm working on then that's fine but I think as an 18 year old I felt very unsure about how to break those boundaries and how to think differently about and think in kind of design terms um so I think it would just be to a bit be a bit looser with the way that I approach my design work I would have been helpful but of course that would have been almost impossible to do because I was the person I was yeah <laughs> you know at that age yeah yeah um and finally um what what's you know we're all, we're all in isolation at the moment what's your kind of isolation situation are you doing okay are you surviving or are you thriving? I'm actually kind of loving it <laughs> <laughs> um I I think I I live by myself and um, my partner is on, on the other side of London he's by himself as well and um I think that's that's quite difficult to not stay connected like with people quite so much my I mean my and my parents are just up the road but I'm just trying to embrace it I think for me Instagram has been a real lifesaver you know I I'm using it a lot more producing my own content for it um whether that's sort of for personal account or public account I'm just interacting with people a lot more on there than I would do normally um I think uh yeah, that's that's my situation. I've been working from home for myself now for about six months. So the working from home is not quite so difficult. I'm sort of set up for that. The, the teaching side of things has been a bit harder. You know, we had to shift onto a completely digital platform in a week, which has been more wow. of a challenge and a bit yeah. more stressful. A bit like building a whole new university in a week is kind of crazy. Um, but we're settling into that and that seems to be going. So I think it's just staying motivated, staying positive. You know, where I live, I live in a quite dense um, estate, if you like. And the Thursday night kind of raucous of everyone clapping certainly keeps you engaged in what's going on and and, and feeling quite positive about, about things, even though, you know, friends of mine have um, been unwell and been ill, but actually everyone's doing okay at the moment. So you're just, just trying to find those little ways to stay happy and, yeah. Katie Wilmot, thank you for joining me and talking to us about your career in architecture. No worries. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 